clarity is such a game changer when you're clear with yourself and you can articulate your value you are so much easier to deal with from the outside in because people understand what it is that you want to achieve what it is that you do and that's when i say clarity is contagious because if you are really clear about who you are what you do everybody gets clear it's in your audience Welcome to Laugh Learn Lead podcast show season two, Simplify to Amplify. Hi, I'm JC Jeanette Cremor, and I love interviewing industry experts to hear their stories and we share practical tips to get the best out of your business strategies. We talk all things people, process and technology. Hi listeners, welcome to another episode of Laugh Learn Lead. I'm so excited to have Paula Kensington with me today. She is an award-winning CFO and has a wonderful background on her global experience with complex service businesses, but I'll let her explain a little bit more about that soon. Paula has gained considerable financial, operational and strategic management experience across many industries. She spearheaded spearheaded (laughs) acquisitions, driving revenue and operational performance, inspiring teams to create shareholder value and empower leadership. Her business and personal language is all about creating courageous environments for which people feel inspired to reach their very best, which together feels like a new way of working. Having walked the finance and commercial talk, she leads with passion for both numbers and people, encouraging innovation while managing risk. Paula has her sights firmly fixed on the future, her mantra being, how future-proofed are you? Her passion to bring people together, to connect, to be inspired and learn from each other creates environments to which professionals are able to pull together and succeed in a sustainable way. An unapologetic business futurist, Paula's eyes never far off the horizon, anticipating what transformation could be game-changing for both businesses and clients alike. My, me, myself, I've actually got, um, had experience of working with Paula Um, and being part of her global community. So I'm really excited to have her here today. Hi, Paula. Hi, Jeanette. Great to be here. Thanks for the invite to share the (laughs) stories and have a good conversation. (laughs) Well, I can remember the first time I met you, you were actually providing a presentation. You were a CFO, I think, of Regis Mm. at the time. Mm. You were presenting to a group of um, businesswomen and I'll let you tell a little bit of the story that actually became the business that you purchased. And, <laughs> That's right. Um, and from that point, I, I knew straight away that you have a different lens of what CFO really means in an organisation. So I'm really excited that you can share some of your thinking today. So you are the UK and people will know that from your accent. A little bit about who you are and how did you get to your business today? Mm, that's a good question. feels like it's been quite a journey. Uh, one thing I did know very early in my um, adulthood was I didn't want to be an accountant. So that seems rather um, ironic, shall we say. I come from a family of accountants and the last thing I wanted to be was an accountant. Uh, but here I am, having been an accountant, um, but much more. Um, I guess I left school at 16. I wanted to be an adult. I didn't want to be a child anymore. I really wanted to take control and financially independent of my future at a very young age, you know, 18. Um, And I guess that came from having a professional 
parent background, um, but also recognizing that I just wanted to be in charge of my own destiny. Um, and so that's then when at the ripe old age of 21, I went back to um, a professional accounting qualification, which um, well, I was doing whilst I was working. So, you know, I think at the time, it was probably the harder route than going to university and then doing a professional um, accounting degree. Um, but that was actually one of the most empowering times of my life where I decided that I wanted to be independent financially and I wanted to become a, um, professionally qualified. And I set the plan and took three and a half years to execute on that plan to a very successful outcome. Um, and I know now that I can do and achieve anything that I want because of that. So it's really empowering that um, that happened to me at a very young age, I think of 21. Absolutely. And, and I know you have achieved huge amount of success, not just for yourself personally, but for many businesses, um, like winning um, the CFO of the year award, you know, and you're also on a, global council board um, for the association of chartered and certified accountants mm. you sit on an audit and risk committee so yeah the flavor of your journey has definitely making impacts in many arenas um, what what what's kind of your flavor today um today in my business and in my in my passion it's really around helping people to become successful with a plan and that really goes back to that 21 year old self that had a plan and did execute and did become successful. And I talk now about wanting to help anybody become successful. And that means success in so many different ways, not just financial outcomes, but whatever success looks like for you, that's what I want to help you achieve with a plan. So that's my mission statement, if you like. Um, and I've got a lot of clarity over that, but it's taken probably five years to be quite honest to get there it's not an overnight success um, but so now my messaging is about being the CEO of you so everybody is a business whether you're in a career or in a business um, everybody should be thinking of themselves like a business and, and that goes back to future proofing our revenue streams future proofing our um, ability to have a career and earn salary and whatever else people want to do. Um, it's really about going back to that CEO of you. Um, and I think that's, you know, my messaging now is that clarity. Clarity is such a game changer when you're clear with yourself and you can articulate your value. You are so much easier to deal with from the outside in because people understand what it is that you want to achieve, what it is that you do. And that's when I say clarity is contagious because if you are really clear, about who you are, what you do, everybody gets clear that's in your, it's in your audience and you're in the arena, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, and I love that quote. And I think it's even um, anchored on your website. So it's reminding people that, yeah, clarity is contagious. I, I really get that. Now you've got a couple of things um, that you help people with. You have Paula Kensington or PK advisory services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm and you have CFO conversations, mm -hmm. and you have a global community, the LBD group. Mm -hmm. um, what attracted you to have that combination? What, what, what's important for you to help those people? Yeah, so I think 
if you'd asked me that 10 years ago, um, I would never have believed that I was creating a CFO community. I mean, literally 10 years ago, I got my first CFO role. Um, and I remember thinking, how did I get here? Like, you know, oh my God, I'm now actually the CFO. Um, so that felt like that was the big, big achievement in my career and professional journey. And here I am now, having given that away in some respects to become somebody who's driving success for others and not just the CFO. And I know we're going to go into a bit more around that in a little while, but, you know, having that clarity on why, what puts fire in my belly um, around helping everybody is what really was the seed of why I bought, you know, a female business um, group of the LBD. And like, I wouldn't have imagined five years ago that I was buying a business that helped women in business and careers. But that everything that I've done in the last three to five years has really been consolidating my message around helping others. So building global communities, whether you're in the LBD group, which is obviously supporting women in business, but the CFO conversations is supporting people in finance and you know, people in finance roles. So this is not the finance industry. This is people in financial roles and that's men and women. But, you know, I just had this idea and sometimes that's my biggest challenge is, is having too many grand ideas. But I just had this idea. Wouldn't it be awesome if I could have a CFO to CFO conversation because it wasn't happening here mm. in Australia? Like normally whenever you hear from a CFO, it's because a journo is interviewing them that nobody is doing CFO to CFO. Um, so I thought that would be awesome to start that. And, you know, it just gives a platform for others to listen to how CFOs think. It gives a platform for people to share their experiences, gives them kudos, gives them brand awareness. It's like a win-win. Everybody wins. And if I can make that 10,000 people globally, then happy days. Yeah. And you, because you've actually walked the talk as a CFO, so you're not just from the theory book, you actually, mm. are, you know, um, a, a, ASX Technology Companies has been some of your flavour. Mm. What can we expect? And I've, you know, worked with many CFOs, of course, in government, um, where they control funds or with clients. From your experience, what should we be expecting of our CFOs today and looking forward? Mm. Is it the traditional accountant or is it a different blend of skill? Yeah. So if I can start with um, exploring what is a CFO or what yeah. is, what is a CFO not. So, you know, there's three levels. You've got bookkeepers, you've got accountants, and then you've got CFOs and you tend to have different levels of those three skill sets, you know, and, if people understand that, then I feel really happy that they go, ah, oh, now I know what a CFO does. So a CFO, I always say, especially in ASX public listed companies, you're the communicator, you're the, the voice or the funnel between messages from the inside of the business to the outside of the business. And that's it. So a CFO does not add up numbers and does not put spreadsheets together. In my mind, that's not the role of the CFO. Plenty of really great spreadsheet jockeys, financial controllers, um, accountants in the team will do that. If the CFO is doing that, then that's not, that's not my idea of what CFO should be doing. A CFO is a business leader that sees across 
the whole business. It's got a financial platform and understanding of what drivers um, need to be pulled and put pushed to make the outcome better or, or, you know, or just to stop it altogether. But it's really about being the two I see to the CEO. And I've worked for a number of pretty average CEOs where actually I feel like I've been the CEO, but you know, that operational, operational future focused person who understands whole of business is what the CFO does. So it, it's provider of insights. It's being the visionary. It's being the communicator. It's not the number cruncher. Um, it's about bringing wisdom, asking the right questions, um, you know, and we all know what an accountant looks like because they produce our end of year financials. They maybe do our tax. They do our monthly um, accountant bookkeeping, you know, so that's not the role of the CFO. And there's plenty of CFOs out in the world that are governing compliance risk, a very backward looking type CFOs. Um, they're the, you know, the sort of old school, shall we say, CFO. Um, and I think, you know, maybe they get sort of, um, they get, yeah. you know, they're not part of the future. <laughs> yeah. And that's been my experience. And that's why I, I love hearing your interpretation of CFO because you have walked the talk mm -hmm. because when I go into businesses and they have a financial controller or a bookkeeper, they're also expecting that person to be a CFO visionary as in, bringing that whole benefits realization, that growth strategy, how can I um, promote my brand to either in, increase profits or decrease operating expenses, whatever that strategic thinking and visionary is. I'm saying, hang on a minute, you've recruited a bookkeeper or you've recruited a, a program coordinator, someone that loves spreadsheets, but don't ask them to be a CFO because that's not. So I love that you can separate it out. Is there, is there skills that underpin that CFO role though? Like is like you talk about they're part of the business leadership group. Mm. What's some things that a CFO could focus on to make them a better version of themselves or what you call future proofing? Mm. Um, so I go back to when I got my first step into a CFO role. And I think what we have to do is give up everything that we did up until the point that we became CFO. And that's really hard to ask people to do because you're giving up everything that got them to where they are at that time. And we have to then rely on new skills and leadership and being that visionary to take us to the next step. And I remember that quite clearly that I couldn't be doing the budget and the forecasts and adding up numbers and doing the year end statutory work. I mean, that just wasn't my job anymore. So I had to give it all away. And that's really exposing because you've given everything away that got you there, which means, well, if this doesn't work, then what do I do? So mm. it's almost like you've just got to take that leap um, into the unknown at that stage, which I think can hold people back because not everyone's willing or courageous enough to take that leap. Um, you know, and I think your question really around what can a CFO do to get better at being that visionary and that leader is really starting to explore out things and areas of you know things that put us out of our comfort zone getting involved in the business being that operational oversight pair of eyes um, advisory board I kind of see myself um, from the outside in how would I 
what should I be looking at? What, what are the board thinking about? What are the stakeholders thinking about? What are the shareholders thinking about? You know, how am I going to view and run the business with their, um, with their sort of outcomes, objectives in my mind as well? Mm. Um, and I'm just naturally nosy, so I always want to get across everything. <laughs> <laughs> You're curious. Curious, and yeah. Curious and adventurous. <laughs> which, is, which is why I'm now where I am with my businesses, because I wasn't satisfied with just being the CFO. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's my growth path. You know, um, as you know, we've known each other probably five years, and I have spoken for the last three years of that five talking about I want to be the CEO and there was um, my my sort of language at the time was pathway to CEO uh, and that's really hard to do in commercial world when you don't have CEO experience on your resume um, it's really hard to break through and prove that you can be CEO when you don't have it necessarily written that you've had that experience but as I said I worked with a number of CEOs where they needed a lot of support so I felt like I was the two I see and I was stepping into the CEO role and I was doing some of the town hall meetings and inspiring the organization because CEO wasn't being very inspiring um, that was probably some of the messaging that you heard when I first met you when I was doing that talk um, when I was at Regis as well we had a very old school CEO that wasn't being an inspiration so um, I took the courage to to step up and then and now I'm running my own business. So, you know, I'm almost the CEO and the CFO at a number of my own businesses. Um, but that's really starting to open up new opportunities, you know, like things like uh, building sales funnels and nurturing pipelines. I mean, who knew a CFO could do that? <laughs> That's right, especially, like you said, when you run your own business, yeah, you become the CEO of yourself. And, I, and you referred to that previously, that, um, that we are the, CF, the CEO of ourselves, mm. no matter if we're in a career or um, a business or at home, just in life. Yeah. Um, you talked earlier about the um, LBD group, or I might have referenced it, and we met as part of that LBD group and it is, well, now a global community. I think you are across not just um, the States and Australia, but uh, London. Um, and then I think next year might be Africa or somewhere. I can't remember. So tell me a little bit about why you're passionate about global communities mm. and why, why we should actually all find our tribe. Mm. It's good. Cause I think there's two aspects. There's what I call peeps and tribe and so my peeps are my my people that look like me so they're my finance people my tribe are people that don't look like me um, and they and they are too different and you need both so if I think about my CFO conversations those are my peeps because they're finance professionals that is where my skill set lies and that's my DNA but my tribe like LBD is a group of women who have multifaceted disciplines professions and that's how we stretch each other's thinking across all aspects of business where in, in finance community we stretch our thinking in terms of what we're seeing but you know that community isn't seeing building pipelines nurturing sales funnels looking at other aspects that are maybe outside of the cfo remit so it's important to have both 
sets of people. Um, but mm. when I first joined LBD, I thought to myself as that Regis CFO, what am I going to learn here? There's no finance people in this group. Well, there was a couple, but what am I going to learn? And so I came with that unknowing mind to listen. And I think, you know, the first dinner, you're like, oh my God, being surrounded by people that don't think like me is so empowering and so powerful. Cause I think, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that's how people thought outside or about, about finance people. Mm. You know, there's so much learning in a tribe. Um, but also, you know, as the founder of LBD, Janine Garner would also um, obviously say that together we're stronger and we can go further together and no more so than now is that absolutely apparent. And that's why I'm going global because it's such a small world and we're all seeing it now because of this whole social distancing with the, with the challenge of COVID that, you know, why not build a global community because it's so much easier to do. Um, and everybody, I just get excited about the thought of reaching people that you could never reach before, giving people the tools and the platform and the mentoring and the, you know, so much value to people that don't have that in their communities. Mm. Yeah. And I've previously interviewed Janine and, um, and she talks about it's who, you know, so I think, the more you, and I love that definition of peeps and tribes and I, I get it. So for me, my peeps would be people that have planned and implemented, you know, significant digital projects, you know, mm. transformational programs. But my tribe are now my business owners who actually want to learn from me about how they can make their business systems easier mm. to give them more time, more money. So I like that definition, peeps and tribes. I really get it. But yeah, Janine talks about it's who you know. And, and so for me, what I get out of LBD is about that it's who you know, because it's like you said, when I'm hearing their conversation, I'm going, oh, I didn't even know I could do that with social media. Or, mm. oh, I didn't know that there was a person up the road from me that actually maintained websites. Yeah. And now they're sitting next to me at a dinner table. So that's what I get out of LBD is that tribal sense that collectively we have all the tools and skills, but we just got to reach out and ask for help. Mm -hmm. And both the peeps and the tribes, you know, being able to normalize challenges is so powerful. Um, people think that they're on their own and isolated and it's, you know, and it's not, doesn't have to be that way. If you actually, find people that you can trust um, and be yourself, then you suddenly realize that everybody's going through um, challenging situations. Other people have gone over those challenges and this is how they did it. So, you know, and there's a great quote, um, Eleanor Roosevelt, I think it is, is you don't have enough time to make all the, to, to find all the, um, you know, challenges in life yourself. So why don't you find, a group of people that have already experienced some of those challenges so that you don't have to make the same, I won't say mistake, have to go down those paths that other people have gone down and they can say, oh, you don't want to do it like that. Yeah. Don't think about doing it like this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm really liking it. Um, you do help a lot of people. And I know that probably if we look at isolation has probably been a bit of a, uh, a reflection for you because you are a global traveler normally mm. that I think you live probably two thirds of your life in a plane or a hotel. 
Mm. Um, but with being at home, you have had to find another way to connect with global communities and you are referencing that. So how do you maintain your energy levels when you're helping so many other people? Mm. It's a good question. And I was reflecting on it um, earlier that I actually get a lot of energy from helping people. Um, and so that really energizes me. Um, but also I need to balance that. And I find balancing that with a lot of physical work when I'm not switched on helping others or switched on in my business, which is hard because you're switched on nearly all the time, unless you can actually give yourself a break. So getting physical has been always been a really good way of getting out of my head. So, and that can be something simple like walking around the garden and seeing what's been growing and watering the garden. I love, um, I think I've got my dad's green fingers. Um, he was always out in the garden pottering around. Um, but going out for walks, I'm a big believer in nature and how nature shows us so much um, that we just don't see of ourselves on the inner circle of ourselves. So just getting out in nature, whether that's walking, um, you know, or whether that's going to the beach or going for a swim or just doing something physical for me helps um, give me that balance with actually working and getting out of my head. Um, but what I'm seeing now that I'm not traveling is it's now a really good time to reflect on being more focused. So I think actually finding those dark spots within where we know we've got weaknesses or we've got previously learned behavior that's not supporting us anymore. Um, and I think, you know, having this isolation time is helping to shine a light or hold a mirror up to ourselves on where some of the challenges might lie. And I've said it already um, to you previously that I think I've got feelings of always wanting to be always thinking about what should I be doing and am I missing out on doing this or that? But because I know everybody is basically at home working, there's nothing to actually miss out on. Um, and so there was probably never anything missing out on so it's just my thinking um so now that i'm actually spending more time focused time and that's been really beneficial you know i think a lot of us find excuses to not do things myself included um, because i'm busy working and i'm busy traveling and i'm going over here and i can't do that because you know i'm gotta go and pack my bag and get on an airplane well none of that's happened for the last seven eight weeks and so it's actually there's fewer excuses. I've actually just got to do the work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's probably been scaring a few people is, um, yeah, there, there's less excuses and it is about that. But I also know that you've been doing some more home baking. <laughs> yes, I have. I cooked my first pie. I was inspired by MasterChef and Poe's pie with the cheese crust. Um, so I did my first meat pie with a blue cheese crust. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> Me too. I've just made homemade sausage rolls and I haven't done that for, oh, oh it would have to be, I think, 20 years. Um, Your house would smell lovely. <laughs> I know because it's, you know, it's all that traditional. I did the, it's a pork and veal mince, but with leek and celery oh. and carrot and yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I can't wait. The house has got that waft at the moment. Shame, shame you're not in Sydney. <laughs> we can now visit. We can now visit. So I could come round and have a sausage roll. 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So it is those things that uh, when we do take time and I've been struggling myself, you know, trying to stay up because people mm. know me as quite a, a positive up and go get in person. Um, but I was saying that this week in one of my catch-ups with a group of women that um, I found as if email is taking over my um, life again. And yet I had managed to work my way through that about 10 years ago. Right. And now I'm going, the email addiction is if I don't stay at my desk and get through it all, you know, I can be sitting here for 14 hours. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Normally I'd be in my car, going to a client site. Yeah but I've got that extra time of not travel and I'm going, well, let's fill it. Well, I'm filling it with work rather than filling it with what I, how I can nurture myself. So mm. thank you for that reminder about walking in nature because mm. um, I think it helps. Well, and I think also around the trigger event. So if I can just touch on that around, you know, I've always been a huge believer that lasting change and big change, this is not just about, Oh, I'm going to wear my hair differently tomorrow. This is like massive change. And we don't make change unless we're forced to by some kind of event. And this whole COVID has been a huge global trigger event that people that are willing to take a change and make something different. Um, there's great opportunity, but you know, I had a huge trigger event 10 years ago when I lost my partner. Um, and that was a massive wake up call which I think we're now at globally um, and having had the experience positive experience of my trigger event 10 years ago I didn't freak out when this happened because I know that I've got through a very very low point in my life where I lost everything and so I'm not trying to trivialize what's happening at all because I know people are really challenged by this and some people may have lost everything um, but I know that I've got over it, so I don't have to freak out when another trigger event happens because I, I know I've got the resilience that I've built up um, and the understanding of knowing and trusting and believing, but also having that space between, you know, what we think is important versus what actually is important. Hmm. Um, and so that trigger event, you know, is what, people need to make lasting change and so in my business as you have said before mm. I, I work with individuals I also work with businesses what is your trigger event why do you want to make change now and in in careers it's around about you know well do you want to become the CFO or do you want to become a stronger CFO do you want to make a leap from CFO to CEO you know whatever that desire is you need a trigger event to actually start the thought process of making a plan to get that to happen yeah oh yeah and mine was uh i gave up smoking when i found out i had uh melanoma cancer back in the 90s and that was my probably only real trigger event that i've had significant change so geez paula thanks for another kick up the butt <laughs> <laughs> oh um thank you now i've got some thinking time to do <laughs> um how can people get in touch with you? Because I know just watching you the last couple of years and how you've been navigating your way through and helping um, people achieve their definition of success and helping them future-proof themselves. How can they best get in touch with you um, if they want to know more? Yeah, sure. So it doesn't matter what background, whether it's people that are interested in being part of a community or whether people are interested in their careers, male, female, finance, non-finance, 
um, I've now got my website live, which is a great um, silver lining from this whole COVID event. I actually focused on getting my website live. So pkadvisory.com.au. Um, you can reach me there, sign up to a newsletter, um, let me know what you need and book a discovery call through that. Um, because it's, you know, lots of people have different needs, right? Um, so, you know, whether it's community that you're interested in or whether it's career advice or business advice, um, yeah, reaching out on the social platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, but I've now got the, the website. So there's a, a way to funnel everybody that way. Yeah. And I'll put the link um, on the show notes on my website as well. But, and, and I have had a, a preview of your website and the models that you're sharing with people re- are quite relative. You know, if, if they're looking at where they sit, um, they'll definitely find themselves somewhere on your website and, mm. and relate. So thank you for your time today. I've really enjoyed catching up. Um, I better go off and uh, taste these uh, sausage rolls. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they sound, they smell delicious from here. <laughs> I've definitely got FOMO going on. <laughs> Paula. Thanks for that. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Jump on my website, JeanetteCremor.com.au and download the Leveraging Insights Workbook. It has over 50 tips from the first year of the show's episodes. It's a great online learning tool for you and your team. Until next time, keep smiling. Keep smiling.